makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Chasha. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart, and it's good for all of us to be here. This is First Voices Radio. I'm Teokas and Ghost Horse, sending you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. This is an all-native-hosted, all-native-produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill is the producer of First Voices Radio. Our studio engineer, ally guide, is Z Malcolm Byrne. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprouts, Spotify, as well as firstvoicesindigenousradio.org for archive downloading and listening. I would like to say the following conversation and opportunity of listening to the experience of forever knowledge has been replaced with hectic, data-driven societies and civilizations addicted to short attention spans and an empty sense of accomplishment. Yet in indigenous cultures around the world, dare not interrupt the wisdom keepers. The elders in many indigenous communities hold the etymology of sustainable cultures even across this land, temporarily called the United States and Canada of America. The modern context of dismissing the elderly in a stampeding language of youth-oriented perspectives loosens the relationships with each passing generation that no longer listen to the messages conveyed through the older generations and that they have not educated the wisdom out of themselves with trendy, futuristic visions of a world that has forgotten its ancestral past. I ask the question of, have we humans of modernity made ourselves so heavenly with technology that we have become no earthly good. Our honored guest is Albert Marshall, who is from the Moose clan of the Mi'kmaq Nation. He lives in a community of Eskasoni Inunamaki, temporary name Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Albert is a fluent speaker of the Mi'kmaq language, a passionate advocate of cross-cultural understandings and healing for and of our human responsibilities to care for creatures and earth. 
He is a spouse of Bertina Marshall, the father of six children, grandfather or great-grandfather, or many more, and a friend to thousands. In 2009, Albert, along with his wife, Bertina, were conferred the degree Doctor of Letters Honoris Causa by Cape Breton University for their tireless efforts to help promote cross-cultural understandings, reconciliation, and healing. Elder Albert Marshall is a founding member of the Elders Lodge for the Conservation Through Reconciliation Partnership hosted by the Isaac Olam Foundation, the Indigenous Leadership Initiative, and the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. And for more information, conservation-reconciliation.ca. And now, this interview with the honored Albert Marshall of the Mi'kmaq Nation. Thank you, Albert. And you're in uh, Nova Scotia. I'm in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. I want to refer to something that I read recently about two-eyed seeing. And it's a good honor, a great honor to have you here. And I think we younger generations are needing the, the knowledge, but also recognizing it when elders speak this knowledge. And, and it, it's a good, it's good way to understand what we need to do as a younger generation, even younger than mine, is that we do need to, and bringing ours along to the modern world in the context you talked about. Because would you explain what, and first of all, welcome, Albert, to First Voices Radio. And would you explain um, the, the concept or the ideas, uh, the story of two-eyed seeing? Two-eyed seeing, of course, is just another concept in which we see and, we see and look at everything from, from another perspective. But 25 years ago, it became essential that we somehow coined it to be much more, I don't know, interesting, I guess. And so we choose eyes, because each and every one of us have two eyes. Now, I, as a Mi'kmaq person, I see everything, and I observe everything from my Aboriginal man. And I, and I do have responsibility to look, look for other perspectives. And with my right eye, this is exactly what I am doing. I am looking for other perspectives multiple perspectives. They always give me a better opportunity or niche of not just what I am looking at, but what I am pondering, of overlaying it with other perspectives that are similar or maybe richer than what I am envisioning. But I also would like to say that I believe at this juncture that this two-eye-seeing perspective is very much inherent to the Aboriginal ways of thinking, in which I believe I can safely say that whenever we invoke our two-eyes, it sort of reminds us that would it be expedient if everybody can look at everything from another perspective? In most cases, we don't look at uh, an, uh, an item or a concept to question the integrity of it or breach 
my my perspectives with these concepts. And of course, we have been somewhat excluded in so many forms of suppressing our stories, our voices, as to what would have, what would have been the key points in which our ancestors and our elders have somehow managed to coexist in this complex system in which our mother earth was out. So humbly, I would say that who I see then has to be a fundamental principle how we go through life by constantly engaging our two, two lens. Because everything, everything that we do has to be, there has to be an effort put forth that no action of ours will ever compromise uh, ecological integrity of the area. And now we have to also include cleansing capacity of the system in which we will not only make a concerted effort, but it will become part of our part and parcel of our mindset of ensuring that no action that we will ever take will cause a disharmony. Our actions always have to be in harmony with nature because after all, everything else is secondary. Our stay here has, we have to exercise our inherent responsibilities of ensuring individually Collectively, no one is somewhat allowed to take any action that, that might not be in harmony with nature. And since we have something that no other creature has, and that's the cognitive mind, and that cognitive mind has an ability to transform our natural world in so many different ways. Unfortunately, when we look at the current state of our environment right now, we can clearly see that this wonderful energy or knowledge that comes from science and technology has somewhat been used exclusively just to be the arm of destruction so that only a select few can maximize the benefits that they are seeking without any due consideration of what harm and devastation they are causing and doing to the very source of life in which we all depend upon. Now here we have this wonderful energy or knowledge from science and the devastation has been created and caused by this knowledge. I think it's about time that we do individually, hopefully and collectively, do a very serious reflection and seriously look not only where we came from, but look at the devastations that we have created. And those were created by this knowledge, by this energy. But yet, as wonderful as this knowledge and energy is, why can't why cannot be transformed? Not just to be the arm of destruction, but also as well an arm of healing and mitigation and restoration. Because we have that ability. And areas that we have somehow allowed to be compromised the integrity of the area. Where, where is this wonderful knowledge and energy of science that it cannot be transformed to begin, to begin this process of transformation, transforming it into which areas that have been compromised ecologically and contaminated 
use this very knowledge or, or energy to begin to mitigate and restore the harm that, that we have created, that we have allowed to be created. It should become obvious to all of us by asking us these wider questions. Have we, do we really need a, a transformative change? And these are the reasons why we need a transformative change. Do we, do we really truly believe that we have compromised the ecological integrity of the earth? We have exhausted the cleansing capacity of the system in which the rate of extraction is as such that she could no longer regenerate herself. The injection of toxins has been so vast that she cannot cleanse herself. So shouldn't then we be seriously looking at and asking ourselves this question? Have we not reached the point of no return? As we honestly and truly believe that I, as an Aboriginal person, I can see myself and I, can, and I have to remind myself by repeating daily in which nature has rights. Humans have responsibility. Unfortunately, that part of knowledge has not never been allowed because we can come forth through some lessons learned from the past. How can a group of people coexist in this very complex system of modern nature without ever compromising the integrity of the area and also be very, very mindful that during our short stay here, part of our responsibility also for extend of looking ahead for our future generation and really make a concerted effort that our efforts here will assure that the future generation will have just as equal opportunities or hopefully better opportunities than the ones that were here when we were here. So this extension extent of, of responsibility falls on every generation and in our case as aboriginal people all those things were factors in which every effort that we do we have to make sure that the younger generation is also part and parcel of this of this endeavor and we can operate with it we we can and we should help them to go into the state of critical thinking and using our example as to how to coexist harmoniously with the very source of life in which we all depend upon. Because we, she doesn't need us, we need her. And I think that's the message that has to be not just pondered, but put into action. And this is where I hope that this concept of Edwaptimago to YC, Edwaptimago, by the way, to make my word, it's an action oriented word. You look at everything from another perspective. And since now we have to coexist, we now have to make every concerted effort of ensuring, of being becoming adamant and vocal, of encouraging the, encouraging the mainstream, at least try to bridge some of those knowledges that have so successfully be able to coexist with this complex system without them ever compromising the integrity of the area. So 
I cannot stress enough that more than ever, that our traditional knowledges have to be seen as something in which it could really bring hope to the state in which most people are in at this juncture. There's more, a lot of people now are, are, are asking themselves of the damage we have created to some of the actions that have been allowed to continue. And if nothing is done soon, who's to say that we will be eliminated? Because I think we can only guess that we have been here a very short period of time. Some historians tell us at least 50, 75,000 years. But yet, this very system has been here. No one really knows. And, that, and we believe that he will always be here. And we are now at this point in time, are the main cause of the demises in which he is suffering today. So I believe if we can somehow find comfort of embracing this wonderful concept of Kauai seeing, in which you make not just a concerted effort, but part and parcel of your, of your responsibilities, individually and collectively. No one should be allowed to, go, to take an action that, that, that will not be in harmony with me. And if we do cause some, some harm, we have this wonderful energy called sign in which we could mitigate and restore some of our actions. And of course, we can't ignore that any, 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 uh, any project that could never be construed as being ecologically sustainable by employing our two YC, we should be able to come up with alternatives without compromising the people of the of opportunity as to how they can go about sustaining themselves. So these are the reasons why I believe we continuously emphasize that this concept has not only served us, but it can also serve others. And unless we put it into as a, as a fundamental principle, individually and collectively, that no action will ever be allowed that will not be construed as in harmony with nature. Albert Marshall, thank you for that. You talk about the incomplete human that we don't know how to complete that because we've been forced to be away from those ways of seeing the world and literally destroying the earth. And yet we always, especially the younger generations, are looking and they feel incomplete. They have forgotten that they don't maybe maybe they don't listen to the elders, but there's something that's still intact with the older generations that I find um, within the indigenous peoples that there's a multitude of understanding among Aboriginal or indigenous ways. And when I hear you talking about spirit, we've destroyed, we were forced to abandon our ways, as you say. And now that we feel not so complete, it seems like we're still searching how to be complete. Could you describe that, talk about that a little bit? Well, we have a, a big responsibility at some point in time, even though we know that uh, for some reason, and we know the reason why, that our traditional knowledge were suppressed, in which 
It denies our responsibilities. Parent is coming generation. Not only how they can be able to sustain themselves, but ground them in their in their minds that they can, there is a support. They can sustain themselves again without creating the imbalance. And demographically, we are disadvantaged. All this place of people that are considered old. Imagine the stress that has created to these to these knowledge holders have not been allowed to pass on the knowledge that they have been given from their previous generation. Can anyone imagine the stress that these, that these knowledge holders are having today of being denied of preparing the next generation to carry on as our ancestors have managed very successfully to do, and that is to coexist in this complex system without ever compromising the integrity of the area. I don't think I could be shut down, but that's all right. But I think we should be adamant and proud to say that traditional knowledges are much richer because true traditional knowledge lens. We look at everything from a holistic perspective, how everything is related to something else. And if that's something that could guide us, I question why cannot guide the people that are here now in this hemisphere called Turtle Island. So I believe the time is now, because I don't believe anyone will, will question when we make these statements. We have exhausted the carrying capacity of the system. We have exhausted the cleansing capacity of the system, in which now I don't have any other vocabulary or any other term other than to say, through that action, we have actually created a point of no return in our lives. And unless some drastic changes to happen, and then one way that can happen is we can engage into everyone as, as much as we can, engage people and start talking about, not only if that's in, in agreement, then we should then be very prepared to sit down together and start crafting this new narrative. We lead this next generation, not only in point of renewal, they have to have that knowledge as to how they can sustain themselves without ever compromising the integrity of the area. Unfortunately though, our current education system has been used not only to deny and suppress the knowledge that has been very successful of in which humans can live in harmony and in balance with nature. The question I have is why is, why is there so much effort put forth of denying us that? Denying us of exercising our inherent response, at least to, to prepare our generation to carry on the work that needs to be done of ensuring that when their time comes, they would also have all the necessary knowledge and skills and tools to prepare their oncoming generation to carry on in perpetuity of how humans should coexist with this complex system called Mother Earth.
And welcome back to First Voices Radio. I'm Teokasen Ghost Horse, and we just heard the first segment with Albert Marshall, an elder from the Mi'kmaq Nation of Nova Scotia. Of course, it has names before that, and uh, maybe it has more meaning and maybe purpose and explanation of that land. Like he has said, uh, language is regional, and uh, to know that land is to live that land and know the history of the land and changes and what's to come. And we'll go back to the second segment of his interview. But first, let me tell you about the song that you heard after the first segment. is Things We Do by the band Indigenous out of Lake Andy, South Dakota on a Ihanktawan reservation. And this album release in 2010, the Acoustic Sessions. So yeah, let's go back to the elder Albert Marshall of the Mi'kmaq Nation. Explain to us this thought process that we have to be careful of educating the wisdom out of ourselves. Yes, definitely. The starting point I would like to engage in is the education because it's through the education system that I've taught a lot, all of us to be just a number one exploiter. There should be a movement across this turtle island of saying that not only our education system has to be decolonized, but I say humanized as well, in which no matter who you are, where you come from, and what your background is, we will all adhere to this narrative that we have agreed upon, in which every action that anyone takes has to be assurance that it will always be in harmony. Because how have we forgotten that the sacred gifts that have been given to us are not only essential to the Aboriginal but essential to every life form, water, air, and the fertile soil. If these three main components are not in a state of well-being or healthy, how can we survive? How can we exist? Unless we do to make more and make more efforts. And I do appreciate this opportunity. Because the media in which could transcend this message in a much wider range and a much wider audience. And people will become encouraged. Yes, granted, there are so many groups across this, globally actually, that are doing their little part. But for some reason, those people are somewhat silent in which we are never allowed to bring forth those wisdoms that have sustained this this world of ours to a point now in which as much as I appreciate knowledge and as much as I know I need knowledge that we have so much knowledge we don't know what to do with it but yet grown in us at the same time though we are all starving for wisdom and that wisdom of course it's going to be something that's going to be required in which people will be encouraged to really be bold and determined, not just exercising, but also creating alternatives to what we, what we already have. Because again, to me, this is the essence of this concept of who I see. And of course, I'm sure all Aboriginal languages, but in my language as Mi'kmaq, we have words that really helps us guide us into that path. 
means that, yes, you have a right to use the gifts from the Creator, but you don't have the right to compromise or to use those gifts for your personal gain or to compromise the integrity of the area. Because if you do compromise the integrity of the area, what are you doing? You're compromising the future generations of their abilities. Not only as to how they can sustain themselves, but also how they can educate themselves, how they can become much more knowledgeable so that they can become, again, intimately connected and knowledgeable to the area in which they are, they are living. Now, here in, here in Unamagi, our area is quite vast, approximately 112,000 plus, 112, plus Mi'kmaq. And with this vast area, it's impossible for anyone, any one group to become intimately knowledgeable and connected to the, to the land. Other than to say that our um, ancestors really addressed that by subdividing our territory to seven ecological zones. And I happen to be in an ecological zone, one called Unamagi or Kikwet. And if we really think about that, it, it would be an area in which it could sustain people, providing people within that geographical area will also be allowed to exercise their inherent responsibility. So each area was again subdivided to family groups or clans. And each and, and every so often, once or twice depends what the need is, they will come together and each in each area will have to report back and what, how much was taken. And if too much was taken, then they will be they will be directed to leave that area alone and allow it to regenerate and go to another area. When I was born, there was approximately two billion people in this in this world. And what are we looking at now? Close to eight billion. And this is where I believe science can play a major role. And, and, not, and no longer allow this energy to be the continuously be the arm of destruction, but just for the select few so they can maximize their profits or their efforts. Now this makes me wonder sometimes, how can select few have complete dominion over all of one of and ultimately control? So in order for us to make that transformative change, I think we have we, we cannot allow ourselves this luxury of being in denial and in silence. We all have something that no other creature has, and that's the part of the mind we have we have a tongue. And those words will carry towards the kind of messages that people can use to guide them as to how, how to coexist in harmony with nature. I have one more question, Albert is um what would you like to say to the people listening to this program all over the world, practically? And what does it mean to come, as you say, your region and the land and the language? You talked about the tongue, the language. Is it transmitting different definition, interpretation about how to live with the earth rather than in domination, as you spoke of before? It's like we live in relationship Rather than dominating, we're actually speaking the languages of the earth. So would you explain that a little? Yes. Um, yes, I, I do realize that this is a complex metaphor or concept. If people were to really 
spend some time and do some reflection. Seriously look, not just where they come from, but how we, how we all got here. And look at the devastation that we have created to a point now in which we now have to buy a bottle of water and how soon will we have to have canisters on our backs for the oxygen we need and be comfortable of admitting, yes, there's definitely a great need for these transformative things. There's definitely a need in which we acknowledge this and be bold and determined enough to transform it into some kind of an action in which we will then use this wonderful energy of science to, to do the medication and the restoration for it. And I am sure we can in turn generate just as much economic opportunities as people that are in this, in this mode of destruction, of extraction and injection of these toxins. Because people have to somehow, we could no longer be hunters and gatherers like we were. We now have to enter into another way, another economy. Well, let's make sure that technology is used, used in a proper way. Let's make sure that, that this technology will also be the helping hand for people that want to exercise their, their little responsibilities in their geographical area. Because the harm we, the harm we have witnessing now has been created from all of, by all of us. And I think it'd be naive for anyone to say, you know, only a select few. No, it's got to be done collectively. This message has to, has to transcend because environmental issues or climate change or global warming, it's not a, it's not a regional issue. It's not a national issue, but rather it's a global issue. No matter what, what we do to any part of our home, which is Mother Earth, it will ultimately affect us no matter where we are and vice versa. So this collective effort I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, yes, we can do our part here in the hemisphere called Canada, but those, those, those will have an impact. But to have the profound impact that, we're, that I'm talking about, it's got to come from, from a global scale. I'd like to thank you, Albert Marshall, for being here on First Voices Radio, it's really an honor to hear your words. And if it could be in the future, we could speak to you again about the no agenda that we must have in order to allow the, the cleansing to come again. And I'd like to thank you about your ideas and your thoughts coming from your lived experience as an elder to us all here on Turtle Island. I'd like to thank you, Popila. And I, Karen, I want to thank you give me the opportunity because I believe that unless we somehow agree that you know we have to we have to get to know each other and to get to know each other and to enter into some kind of a relationship it can only be done through our exchanges of stories because it's through this exchange of stories we will not only know who we are where we come from but why we are here and I think that's the emphasis that should be, you know, we should all know, we should all be aware of our sense of place and our responsibilities. And those responsibilities are not expected to be, to be, to be global, but to our part, no matter where we are. Well, Ali, thank yeah. you very much. Goodness to you. 
So yeah, rest of my days by the band Indigenous from the Acoustic Sessions 2010 release and an oldie, but not a moldy, I like to say. Let's get out of the, the other way of thinking oldie, but a goldie or something like that. Um, so it's not moldy, it's still live and moving within the native world that you all live in, by the way. So let's put it that way. You know, let's add another appreciative attitude to this land that there are still Native people here, regardless of what you've been told and what one paragraph you read about Native people in history. And, uh, you know, even the bad news you think that, that you're hearing about us and maybe not getting with the program. Maybe you think that this is our first language. No. So I would say that and... You know, I wanted to get take away from, take away, I wanted to give to, give Albert Marshall some more thoughts. As he said, this stuck out in me, is when he said, uh, what he said was, as much as I do appreciate knowledge, and as much as I need knowledge, that we have so much knowledge, we don't know what to do with it. At the same time, we are all starving for wisdom. And that wisdom, of course, is going to be something that is required as a person educated in a Western Hemisphere and knowing growing up with being indigenous all my life, I can say that what the elders were saying back then when I was young, when I was a four-year-old sitting around and, and not going out and being a child at that moment, but just sitting there by choice and listening to what these elders were saying, I'm incredible that that wisdom, that vibration from back then had nothing to do with information, data, or knowledge, or books. Is what they were living from generation to generation, passed on from generation to generation, that energy that is required. And so today I hear a lot of people quoting other people, like I just did, quoting other people, telling them their ideas instead of own personal thought process. So they're quoting everybody else. And after a while, you think, where is that person who I want to talk to? That person, you out there, that I want to talk to, rather than some book that you quoted, information. It changes all the time, right? But the wisdom is the wisdom of knowledge coming from generation to generation. And I also wondered... You know, when I first began First Voices Radio way back in the 90s, is that one of the first peoples that I interviewed, maybe seven years into it, was a 94-year-old elder. And she gave me this. And I, it's a question I asked of Albert Marshall. She said, be careful not to educate the wisdom out of yourself. And Albert, as I said, as much as I do appreciate knowledge and as much as I need knowledge, that we have so much knowledge, we don't know what to do with it. And at the same time, we are all starving for wisdom. And that wisdom, of course, is going to be something that is required, which is going on now. You can't be doing your best anymore. You have to do what's required. And I was thinking about why is now climate change in therapy? Why is it? that, you know, the viral is now meeting out new th therapy, new categories of psychologies to deal with something that we weren't ready for because we forgot about natural thinking. And I think about that, just 
why can't we listen to elders anymore as much? And why don't we appreciate them? Is it that we're caught up in the time concepts that were you or your youth oriented driven that everything has to be according to the youth? And if you go among the forest, especially the new forests, we, it's nice that they're new, but there's no elders in the forest. The trees don't know how to grow. And it's been proven that you, if you have elders as trees in the forest, those trees have something to follow, something to know, information to pass along. And the, the forest is strong. But here, in civilization, everything is catered to the youth. And the, the, the old are just aging and they're, they're not modern anymore. They're dated. So we talk in context of old school. So these are just thoughts that I have often thought about. What and why can't we? And because it is that the elders are disappearing. I'm not talking about humans. Nature is the elder to us as native people. The elders go out into the future because they go first. And so we follow them. We follow the elders. We listen to the elders. The elders listen to the earth. We're not following somebody who is an older because that older has a few degrees, educational degrees. No. Follow the experience. The experience, the energy that continues way beyond some diploma or bank account. So these are other ways to think inclusively. And this is Teokas and Ghost Tours. And um, if you would want to go to Akantu Institute, it's A-K-A-N-T-U, A-K-A-N-T-U Institute. And that mission that we contextualize original wisdom for troubled times, you often find in there, as you would say it, advice, as you would say it, wisdom, but we, I, the people that I have there are also talking from experience, having to decolonize and to a point where we know that there will be another world that we have to live in and we're prepared for that because it's in our prophecies. So, yes, go to that and maybe think about joining patreon.com slash ghost horse and we'll keep this radio and keep Native people's thoughts on the air Far after, far after, it's all done and said for, because it's about the earth, our mother, your mother. So I'd like to thank you. This is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokasin Ghost Horse, and uh, here it is, Archie Roach, Doksha Akewa Chinktelo. Promises that did not keep And how they fenced us in like sheep Said to us, come take our hand Set us up on mission land They taught us to read, write and pray 
And they took the children away, took the children away, the children away, snatched from their mother's breast, said this is for the best, took them away. Understand, cause we'll give to them what you can't give. Teach them how to really live. Teach them how to live, they said. Humiliated them instead, they taught them, taught them this. And others taught them. Prejudice go to children away. Oh, the children away. Breaking their mother's heart, tearing us all apart, took them away. Give a damn, God, my mother cried, go get that damn. He came running, fighting me. Mother's tears were falling down, and my dad shaved up, stood his ground, and he said, you touch my kids, and you gotta fight me, boys. Then they took us from our family. Gave us gifts 
harder with the pain Sent us off to the foster home And as we grew up, all we fell along Cause we were acting wild and feeling black One sweet day, all the children came back Hey.